Hello and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our new show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt. And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the Trunchbull. Trunchbull. They're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. From Roald Dahl's beloved Matilda, despite her protestations. Each episode, we'll be reviewing one picture book and one chapter book. We're starting off with the books that we read as kids, but if you've got a book that you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, then please get in touch. You can email us on eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at trunchbullpod. Just a note, as we're on the first episode, trunchbull is one word. It's spelt T-R-U-N-C-H-B-U-L-L. Thanks for doing that. This week we're reading books about monsters, Young Werewolf by Cornelia Funke and Not Now Bernard by David McKee. Matt, would you like to kick things off by telling us about Young Werewolf? Yeah, so um, Young Werewolf, which was one of Nina's suggestions, which I've uh, got out of the library and read, uh, is about a young boy called Matt, um, which is my name, and he has a friend called Lisa. And uh, basically, Matt gets bitten by a werewolf. They're on the way home from the cinema. And chaos ensues. Uh, and it's kind of an adventure in which they're trying to cure Matt from becoming a werewolf forever. Um, and, you know, they have run up against an evil biology teacher, <laughs> enlist the help of a friendly history teacher. Um, yeah, and so kind of that's the story on the face of it. And then within that is uh, an analogy for puberty. Yeah, I, well, I wonder what you thought about that. I really like that. I really love that it starts. And it says they're right at that age where Lisa's a bit taller than Matt. Yeah. I love that. It's a definitely a sort of a fairly universal, for the most part, a kind of universal experience well told. It's yeah. that confusion of changing and becoming something else and people's reactions to that being sort of a mixture of confusion and slight dismissal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's Matt's story, I guess. So it's a story driven by a, a very, very male protagonist. Um, but Lisa is kind of so dominant yeah, in that. Yeah, she is, yeah. I get the impression she's just a little bit more mature than him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they still think it's weird that boys and girls sit together, so we could think they're maybe 11, 12. And maybe the girls have started, like, shooting up a bit and the boys haven't. I think it says that Matt's 13. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, I think it is about is about right. right. Yeah. Is about right. It could any older than that, and it wouldn't mm. quite play. Mm. But no, um, whenever I see that, you know, oh, they were best friends, and the girl was a bit taller than the boy. I'm like, oh, so sweet, yeah. right on the cusp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's that more mature. It's that more knowing. There's that real feeling of um, Matt looking up to him. Mm. Yeah, quite literally, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then I guess sort of by the end that sort of switches and there's kind of this sense that 
that Matt's come into his own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's becoming more dominant and more masculine. And mm-hmm. So, so it, it, I mean, it's completely, completely packed with gender tropes. But I, yes. I sort of didn't mind. Towards the end, I kind of felt like maybe I should mind. But it's just, like, I, I, yeah, I know that story. I know those feelings. I remember those mm-hmm. feelings. And, you know, even as someone who doesn't, uh, well, I was going to say doesn't particularly engage with with gender. I suppose you might say engages with gender, engages with gender quite a lot, but kind of questioning the stereotypical responses to that. But you know, growing up um, as a sort of male-bodied person, that feeling as well of going through going through puberty and all those changes, but then having that moment of kind of acknowledging that kind of fierceness, mm. I guess, mm. and the sort of power of that and the and the fear of that as well. I think it gets that yeah. really like tussle with kind Yeah, of... I really like that. I really like that. And I liked how inappropriate the parents were about it. Like, he starts having a bit of facial hair and they're like, ooh, are you starting puberty? Aren't you too old now for sleepovers with Lisa? So go, Can we talk <laughs> about the sexual tension with yes. Lisa? Because <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And particularly at the end, so obviously we're doing this as an audio podcast, so we can't show you the pictures, but if you have this book, I mean, the pictures are fairly, they're, they're fairly sporadic. Yeah. Um, I quite like them. What do you they're think? great. I re- yeah, they're sort of pencil drawings, mm. but they're really nicely done. They get they get that kind of character and they get that sort of like... So are you talking about the picture of him topless at the end? Yes! <laughs> and I, I dwelt when I first, because I've just sort of reread this, but when I first read this a few weeks ago, I dwelled on this picture a lot <laughs> because yeah. it... And it's the one point where it didn't necessarily start becoming problematic, but sort of started becoming vaguely uneasy for for a bunch of reasons, some of which are easier to admit than others. I I know this lad that's in this picture. It's you know it's him standing on the roof, howling at the moon. Having kind of turned back into a person, but clearly it's but setting he's up. Changed. He's gone, yeah. you know, he's got a little bit of chest hair. He's got um, essentially a wolf tattoo, yeah. <laughs> which will be explained through the course of the book. And his eyes are a bit changed. Yeah, I mean, he's got his eyes closed, but it's. Oh, but it says his eyes are not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one thing they do in the pictures really well all the way through is that they don't draw him with wolf eyes. They draw him with human eyes that are a bit wolfish, and you can yeah. see that. I mean, yeah, that one there where he's stuck in the rain, and you can see the yeah. sort of fear. It's a frightened little boy, isn't he? Yeah. So it's good, but that that final image, and he's got his kind of hair straightened and his fringe across. Yeah. He looks like an emo rocker kid at a party who's decided to take his top off and howl at them. Mm-hmm. Now. The pro- <laughs> and then so we've got Lisa sat behind him who is staring adoringly at him. Yeah, she is. And this is what it just set off like a load of thoughts. Mm-hmm. One of which was like, should I have been more like Matt? Um, 
uh, am I in fact Lisa in this picture? I think I fancy Matt, right? <laughs> Which is being back in that time when those changes were happening and I suppose not being kind of particularly in touch with where I was at with gender or sexuality or anything else, but kind of having all of these feelings yeah. of like, where do I sit against who and what, how do I relate to these mm -hmm. people who are kind of like really coming into their own and that picture, possibly more than the story, but I guess, you know, alongside the story, brought all of that back. Yeah. And it's Lisa's face. She's just like, who's this guy? Yeah, she <laughs> is. <laughs> and she's been bossing him around all book long. He's a little boy and she's like, Whoa, he's got chest hair now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and he's just he's wearing it really well. He yeah. is, he's just like he's it's well drawn. He's got his he, shoulders back. He looks comfortable, he looks yeah. confident, he's got his top off, he's <laughs> he's loving it. He doesn't you know yeah. I think this is actually a really nice positive depiction of puberty. Uh, for someone for whom puberty was quite traumatic, I don't know how yours was, I hated it. This is quite nice. It's like yeah. your body's going to change. It's going to feel scary. You're going to have these feelings that feel so out of control and frightening, but actually it's quite good as well and it can feel quite nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then just that that tinge of kind of things will change in terms of your relationships with other yeah. people and it's kind of up to you what you do with that. Yeah. It feels like there's a hint of at the end. And then the other love, I mean, are we doing spoilers? Or if you're going to read the book, I guess this is like a yeah. minor spoiler. It's the thing that yeah. happens towards it. Like the bit where he, he becomes wolf and he yeah. runs away and they've, yeah. you know, uh, they've tried to get this charm on him to protect him. Yeah. And, he's, and he's run away um, and he like hunts a rabbit and oh, yeah. right? And he catches this baby rabbit, which kind of looks at him squealing and yeah. begging, and he lets it go. Yeah. And the next day, like, he's a he's human really again. He's really shaken up by it. He's really like, upset by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lisa's like, ah, lol. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, how is that different from eating salami? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is quite an interesting yeah. point. Mm -hmm. That is kind of worked in quite well, because yeah. I know we've talked before about, I suppose more specifically with the picture books, mm. like, kids books kind of falling down a bit when they try to yeah. preach a political yeah. point but that felt like it was done quite well yeah. it was just and again was in character for Lisa as someone and it doesn't who was... dismiss how Matt feels no but Matt was still really horrified by what he was capable of and I think puberty can feel like that you get really impulsive yeah and then you're like oh, what did I do you know and he didn't do it I'm glad he didn't do it because he would have upset himself. It would be a really different yeah, book. It would if be he'd really, like if he'd like if he ripped would... the baby rabbit's head off. <laughs> and then, let's yeah. If the, yeah, hang on. Let's see if I can find the bit. Because I'm wondering how that would now read if it was like Yeah, here we go. The rabbit took fright and hopped away. It fled into the bushes, under the thorny branches and stinging nettles. Matt hunched down and followed it. His heart was racing. The nettles whipped his face and the thorns tore at his clothes, but his fur protected him. The rabbit was fast, but Matt was faster. With one last leap, he jumped on top of the small animal, grabbed its hind legs and bared his fangs. The rabbit squealed like a newborn baby. It stared at Matt's eyes wide with fear. And Matt let go. 
Right, now, mm. imagine that if it was like... Matt rips so, head off. <laughs> yeah, so suddenly it becomes like a Stephen King yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so I think the depiction of puberty is good. Mm-hmm. And I think that that relation with like being... Because I very much get the sense where like Lisa is like his only friend. Yeah, I get that sense too. I, she clearly cares about Matt. She a lot. does care about Matt a lot. I'm really uh, like, in I guess in the same way of like following soap operas or something. I really want to know what happens <laughs> with them because. Oh. Uh, I think he's not ready. I don't. Yeah, I I think I reckon right that that maybe they'd start going out for like two three weeks in about six months time after yeah. this. And and then they'd kind of like be like, nah, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd stay friends. That's what I'd yeah. like to happen. I'd like him to be like, well, maybe because there's clearly yeah. feelings there, yeah. but it's that kind of like different kinds of love, like, mm-hmm. right? And like, where's where's that kind of line between friendship and something? more romantic well it's so hard to tell when you're so full of hormones right that's it and i remember that as <laughs> yeah. well when those feelings start coming in and like yeah. childhood friends who i'd grown up with who were well, suddenly, suddenly like a bit sexy yeah <laughs> and it was like oh, i don't know what to do with this um and you don't necessarily need to do anything with it it's the thing no, right? no but no. it feels like you have to right yeah I have, oh, and we're taught this, you know, I have this feeling, I have to act on it. Yeah. Or, you know, it's unrequited love and that's terrible. Yeah. I do remember what, like, I had a, a childhood friend, I grew up, who was sort of like um, daughter of parents' mm. friends. Um, and, yeah, like, I fancied her for quite a while. And I remember when I was, like, 16 or something, mm. was kind of back on the fringes of her friend group because I knew one of her friends through like a uh, youth theatre thing. I remember at one point saying like, oh, by the way, you know, such and such. Yeah. Um, basically told her that I used to fancy her. And she told this person this and apparently the response was, oh, I always knew that. <laughs> I wonder whether that's where Lisa would be at. Yeah. Until now, mm. right? Because she's, yeah. Now she's like, oh, I don't know. Ooh, mm. He's changed. He's got a deeper voice. Yeah. And he, he's grown in confidence, hasn't he? Like, he uses the wolf to stand up to the bullies. Yeah. And that's, I think, finding some aggression in yourself when your hormones start pumping through you can be very scary. Yeah. It's also nice feel like you're stepping into your power a bit yeah like oh, i've been kicked around all this time but now i've got this wolf inside me and i can tell you to leave me alone and again that felt like it kind of stayed on the right side of the yeah. line of it. it didn't feel like because you could it would be possible to read that as kind of promoting and glorifying some some Aggression. of the yeah, yeah some of the less palatable aspects mm. of masculinity of like you know like oh you're getting bullied just uh, just punch shout at them and yeah. threaten, threaten to yeah. bite them in this case, I suppose, which would be yeah. weird in any other context. <laughs> um, and that'll make all the, and then that leading on to, you know, off the kind of off the back of that, 
your friendly this, girls. You're being like, oh, my hero. Yeah. Right. And there's, yeah. yeah, I guess there's a bit of that. It strays towards but that. But he's not defending doesn't... her. He's defending himself. Sure. And it, yeah, as you say, it feels like that finding in a power. Um, and I don't, yeah, as, I don't think that mm. finding aggression is a specifically male thing or specifically no. masculine no. thing either. It's that kind of figuring out yeah. where you stand and where you kind of draw your lines, I suppose. And, yeah, I thought that was a really positive side of it. Even though the feelings frighten him, he's also like, I'm going to miss this wolf, you know? Yeah. It's been quite good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Even though the wolf has run off with me <laughs> and, you know, like, given me all this hair I don't want. Yeah. I mean, it's kind oh, of... When Lisa's stroking his facial hair. Oh. There's a few moments of <laughs> yeah. that in there. There's yeah. a few little... And it, again, that feels kind of like sisterly at first. At first. <laughs> <laughs> and then it starts to feel a bit yeah. less so. Yeah. Oh, them kids. So you have issues with this. I want to so, so the issues... So I remember... I, I, yeah, I read this a few weeks ago and I remember that I had issues with it and I couldn't remember what they were. So I've read it again quickly now and I remember what they were. And actually, I don't know if I'm just being really unfair because it is like a kid's book or a middle grade book. So it's kind of, um, it's written with that sort of fast paced narrative where things happen quite quickly. But, right, my issues with it are like narrative structural issues, mm -hmm. which like, I don't know, I feel like I'm being like a really real structure geek, like no, bringing this into stuff. But it's like stuff happens like straight away. Yeah. Like there is no kind of world setting. No. It's, I, li I mean, literally like the first page is, it happened on a Sunday evening in October, a horrid evening. Matt and Lisa had gone to the cinema. When they stepped out on the street after the film, it was already dark. Matt didn't like the dark. If it was up to him, he would have banned the night a long time ago. The night and the moon and everything else that went with it. A cold, wet wind blew into Matt and Lisa's face. It whipped up the fallen leaves. People turned up their collars as they rushed home. Dogs growled at each other. And above them all, the moon hung milky white between the clouds. And then they chat about the film a little bit. And they go into this tunnel. Um, and it's this dark underpass they have to go through. And then they see a wolf at the end of the tunnel. And it bites Matt. Um, and that's the first chapter. And that's the first chapter. And it kind of makes sense that you would kind of start there and jump straight in. Mm -hmm. And actually reading that back, like there is kind of bits of quite deliberate foreshadowing. Like yeah. they're talking about animals, they're talking about the moon. And the dark. And the dark. So it's, but I, that's kind of part of what feels like it annoys us because it feels okay. like it's deliberately written with this foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the kind of structure of the story, stuff just comes out of nowhere. Like in the second half, mm -hmm. like we have the bullies and we have like um, the, the weird teacher who's taking pictures the of it. Really weird teacher, <laughs> the biology teacher yeah. who is like a werewolf fanatic and I don't know, is like wants to be in the National Geographic yeah. or something. Like it doesn't say that, but that you know, he's he's that and kind he's of like taking photos of this underage boy from his school. On his phone. Yeah, but following him around yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's very uh, creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very odd. Um, and it's kind of like he's a bit of a sort of Snape character. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's he's kind of quite 2D, I, I mm. think, as a sort of like he's the baddie, he's the yeah. bad teacher. But so you've got him and that it's mentioned at the beginning of like, oh, and Matt 
also didn't like biology teachers, which yeah. is another story, dot, dot, yeah. dot. Like, we're going to pick that up. Mm -hmm. So it's that, like, here's a bit of foreshadowing, we'll come back to that. But there's no kind of, like, I don't know, I almost want to read this where it's like, we spend a bit of time with, we like, mm -hmm. you know, I guess in a classic story structure sense, we know what the mm -hmm. starting world is. We see him at school. We see him being bullied by these kids. We see him being kind of put down by a biology teacher, introduce the history teacher who then helps them. And then, do you know what I mean? Like, can you, is there a way of kind of blending that in so this stuff's, it kind of, it sort of simultaneously feels like it's written as an improvisation exercise mm -hmm. where it's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, which is cool. But then like, has this foreshadowing as well. But I don't know, it just kind of feels like half done. That's interesting. I think from other books I've read by her, I think her world building is really quick and subtle, usually. Yeah. Like, um, oh, we might read this on another episode because I'd like you to read it and see what you think. But she read this, she wrote this book called The Glass of Golden Lead. And it's this sort of fantastical version of London. But she never goes, and there was magic, and there was this. She just like brings in these little elements. I think that's actually something she does really well. Mm. Uh, that you might just be criticising it for being a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I say, when I was rereading it, I was like, that's what annoyed us, and actually that might be really unfair. Because um, what you're looking for, I guess, is more duration, and this is a really short book. It's true. And I think that's nice that it's short. Cool, right. <laughs> but another thing, though. Yeah that I was thinking also on that. So she's got some really nice kind of character tags she sets up, um, like uh, the biology teacher, his smell is stale crisps and cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. And that keeps coming, and that's lovely. Mm -hmm. And like the librarian who's kind of tutting at them for going into the adult section when they're researching werewolves, smells of like lavender soap and loneliness or something. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't say that, but it's, yeah like it's these really nice tags that are set up and it's just kind of slightly inconsistent with that what's slightly inconsistent with that how fast it is no as in some like with some characters it does that in this really kind of structured way uh -huh. almost like i guess a more picture book where yeah. like you know this is what we're going to get for yeah. each character we're going to get this series of smells and series of... Mm -hmm. and then some there's just not like the history teacher we get a name yeah. and that's it and it's just, I don't no, know. No, she smells what she had for her lunch on her. I think all the smell yeah. stuff is because he's becoming dog-like and his sense of smell is getting really Okay, cold. okay. Yeah, that's, okay. I suppose that's quite clever then. I thought that was quite clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's his wolfishness that comes out and he can suddenly smell everything. Yeah. I don't think he's describing people by their smells before he changes. That's why he doesn't describe Lisa by it. Right, okay, okay. Fine. Well maybe maybe Cornelia's just too clever for me. Then. <laughs> um but it just um Yeah, no, I think yeah, I like it. I think there's something something about the the storytelling that I don't doesn't quite sit with me. Mm -hmm. It feels a bit too easy and yeah. a bit sort of like it's very fast paced and it's like, now we're going to do this. Maybe we should, I wasn't going to bring this up, but maybe we should bring up, this is a Barrington Stoke book. This is specifically written for dyslexic children. 
And so it's fast paced. Yeah. For a reason to try and like really keep you going. Yeah. If you find yeah, it yeah. difficult to read. That's true. That's true. I think what we've learned from this is that I'm a structure snob. Yeah. Um, and that I fancy Matt. Um, which is really there's a whole, <laughs> there's a lot of feelings going on for me. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, but no, I I like it. It's good. It's and it's a it's a nice analogy that's not kind of overplayed. No, um, it's not. I really liked how subtle it was. Yeah. Like you could just read it and it'd be a fun romp about a werewolf. If you didn't want to think about puberty just then, that would be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Who would you recommend it to, if anyone? Oh, that's a good question. I I think maybe people who are do you know what I think it would be really like useful for? Like, for instance, if I was a 10-year-old boy with a brother who was 13 and was just starting to act oh, out yeah. and do yeah. all of that. Because I think reading this while you were in it, I I don't think it would. Like, I can't imagine reading this and enjoying this when I was 13. No. I think it's pitched younger than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think reading it when you're nine or ten. When it's just coming up for you. Yeah. So that the, yeah. you've then got it as yeah. something you've read that's just like, yeah. oh, fun story about a werewolf. Yeah. That then, like, three years later, you're, you're like, like, oh, my face is furry. Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That... Right. Okay. Sure. It turns out okay. And in the end, my female friend fancies me. Yes. And it all will be well. <laughs> yeah. And, and it'll be okay. But yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's it. I'd recommend it. I think it. it's very reassuring about puberty. Yeah. I think you're right. Someone just on the cusp who's just before that happens. Yeah, yeah. Or like you said, who's got an older sibling who's going through it. Yeah. Really good. I think so. And for kids who don't like to read, who like monster stories, definitely. Yeah. It's very readable. Yeah, yeah. And it is quite filmic, I guess, mm. as well. Like for getting someone into reading who's not necessarily into reading, like that fast pace yeah. and that kind of. And it, yeah, and it's got mood shifts. And because I, I think part of my thing with the pace was like it felt sometimes like it had nowhere to go in terms of tension, mm. but but I mean it does ramp it up towards the end and it's got its kind of peaks and troughs. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, nine ten year olds who just want something firm and fast. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. who you discreetly want to prepare for what's about to happen to them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not now, Bernard. So this is one that I read growing up. Um, yes. David McKee. So, I did too. Yeah. But I didn't really remember it until we just uh, just recapped it. Yeah. So shall I recap what happens in it? Yeah, because okay. I did the last one, didn't I? Yeah. So Bernard is at home with his mum and dad, and he keeps trying to get their attention in very innocent ways. He's going, hello, mum, hello, dad, and they're busy. They're having none of it. They're always, not now, Bernard, and then Bernard spots a monster out in the garden. Which he's told him is there. Yeah, it's like, Mom, Dad, there's a monster in the garden. And they say, not now, Bernard. And so, spoiler alert, Bernard goes out into the garden and gets eaten by the monster. <laughs> Which is very David McKee. <laughs> <laughs> and then the monster comes into the house and starts being Bernard. And the parents don't notice. Because they're so busy. Yeah, except, right, the monster doesn't come in at the house and start being Bernard. It's not like he's a sort of, like, cuckoo in the nest. That He comes <laughs> in and he's like, I'm a monster, I'm going to bite you and eat yeah. you. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Bernard. 
And then it ends with this monster in bed, like, I'm not totally sure what's happened here. He goes, but I'm a monster. And they're like, ah, yeah, bedtime now. Yeah, not now, Bernard. And his mum puts out the light and that's it. Yeah. So, what did you remember about this book from when you were little? I remembered that there was a monster mm. and that there was kind of like parents who sort of didn't want to know and that there was like an interaction with the monster. Um, and and I remembered that it all kind of worked out in the end, which <laughs> which it really doesn't. That was very much a false memory. The bit that I distinctly didn't Maybe remember. Traumatized. Or, I th but I think like, because we've talked about this before mm. as well, like I think what works with kids books mm. is like, you, you can kind of get away with a lot yeah, because yeah. like the, the book's about kind of probably similar stuff to yeah. Young Werewolves, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, the story's not about someone getting eaten by a monster. It doesn't no. dwell on that. No. So I think as a kid, you don't either. No. Like, I don't think at any point I was like, until I read it now as an yeah. adult, it was like, but that sounds like a really horrible death for Bernard that no one cares about. Yeah, and you see the monster just like eating his trainer at the end. Yeah. Like, he ate him all up every single bit, it yeah. says, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it's... But yeah, a lot of that passes in picture books. It's kind of fine. Yeah. What did you, did you remember it better than I did? Yeah, yeah. I remember that he got eaten. I think I remember from when I was little thinking that Bernard was annoying. Yeah, actually, you're right. And but it's, he's not. That's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. you get in that all from like the context yeah, of parents. Yeah. Bernard didn't deserve to be ignored. He wasn't. I mean, I don't really think that any child deserves to be ignored. But within, you know, the moral universe of Not Now Bernard. Yeah. Bernard's a really good kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does beg the question, like, because we, what is Bernard like, like on a day to day? Is Bernard actually a nightmare? Did the parents put that monster in the garden deliberately? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I don't think so. No, but I don't think just... so. Because if he was that kind of kid and he was being all nice, they'd be heaping praise on him. They'd be like, what nice manners, Bernard. Hello to you too. They wouldn't be ignoring him for being so nice. Yeah. I mean, what I think we're getting here is that the parents are missing the mark. Yeah. Regardless. So what's this saying to kids who are reading this? That you're right that it's not okay when your parent ignores you. You get annoyed when your mum doesn't respond and you go, Mum! Mum! And you're right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's very validating of a kid who's trying to get attention. Yeah. Because, you know, if they don't, the monster will come and eat you. <laughs> did you find it scary? I don't think I did. No, but I it's think I found never, it sad. It's never been a scary book. No. I'm trying to remember my emotional, like, texture of my emotional response to Not Now Bernard from being a kid. Because when you mentioned it as one to come up, like, and you said Not Now Bernard, it's almost like a taste response like the association i had with not now bernard despite not really remembering any of it was like just vague distaste yeah or dislike yeah like it was a bit like sort of cold porridge and i don't i didn't know why that was and i think maybe it's because like so the pictures the drawings the way they're drawn freaked me out a little bit yeah i don't think i like the pictures when i was little either i like them now yeah 
and just I didn't I didn't really like any of them. No, well, they're not likable. No. Um, I mean, the parents, obviously, because they're just neglectful. Mm. But Bernard, I was just a bit like... Yeah, why don't we like Bernard? He's a bit wet. Is he? I think he is. <laughs> I mean, we never know what Bernard's like. He's not, no, he's, he's not a character he's, in his own book. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> the monster is. <laughs> and his mum and dad are. Yeah. He's just there to be eaten. Maybe that's what's kind of upsetting about it. Yeah. Because he is the title character. And he's... Uh, and he's monster food. It's just a blanket. There's nothing. Oh, I think that's a bit unfair. But I think I felt that way about him when I was little too, that I didn't really like him. Yeah. Should we talk about the illustrations then? Yeah. What did you think? Bernard and the monster kind of look the same, right? Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> Except that the monster's covered in purple hair. Yeah. But they've got the same stature, like they don't, yeah. no one in this book has a neck. No. Like everyone's just like <laughs> a head and shoulders that yeah. come out of about yeah. like where their ears are. And they're sort of like, they're like the shape of a tunnel. Do you know what I mean? So it's like an arch but and then round at the top yeah. and then square at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, they are that shape. And also the monster has Bernard's eyes. Yeah. 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 Then when it's the monster, like, he bites the dad's leg. And the dad does not look down from his newspaper. He's just like, yeah, don't... Don't do that. But he doesn't even say that. He's just no. like, not now. Yeah. As in what? Like, bite my leg later? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. And the monster's so nonplussed. Yeah. Do you really feel for him? Because he's just like... I. I'm doing the monster thing. Yeah. And you're not giving me the monster response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is the same yeah. thing that Bernard was doing. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember the parents' faces. I thought, before I got this out of the library to talk about it today, I thought that the illustrations cut off at the shoulders, mm. which would have worked, I mm, think, mm. because it's sort of, it's child's eye point of view, and they really never look at him, do they? Then that's how they don't notice that he's been replaced by this monster. It's almost like their faces and their eye contact is irrelevant. Like it's it's a really cold book. It is, that's yeah. Why it felt like cold porridge to you. I think it's supposed to feel a bit distant and cold, and it does. And that yeah. point of view is distant and cold, isn't it? So what's the what's the thing in that then? And I mean, I guess we're kind of straying back towards exactly what we want to avoid is the idea that the kids' books should feel any compulsion to have like a point but oh, I, I, I disagree that's it's not that they shouldn't have a point I think kids books are inherently political I just don't like them to be preachy Happy sure for them to have lots of politics yeah 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 no I've, I've misphrased that I guess but yeah so what's the what's the drive of this is it that is it that detached thing is it just that like sometimes even like, no matter how much you act up, you'll still get ignored. Oh, my God. But, and then it's just sort of, I think that's what's weird about it, is left as a sort of, like, a, almost feels like the invitation of the reader is like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does the monster do tomorrow? Because either he, like, carries on being like, no, 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 I've eaten your son. Yeah. Right? I I'm, am a monster. You're going to break everything you yeah. own. Um. Or does he just be like, All right then. okay, cool, guess I'm a kid now. Yeah, guess I drink milk before I go to bed and watch the telly. You people are weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've kind of broken me 
and what I'm about. The adaptive child, that's what it is. Because children become adapted to their environments and it's very unhealthy for them to do that. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And then so it almost, that kind of like third person view almost becomes those like NSPCC adverts where it like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It puts you just slightly outside of it going, so this is going on. Mm, What are you going to do? Yeah. Jeez, not how Bernard's got dark. (laughs) It was always dark. It's really sad. Do we think it's appropriate for children? Because we both as adults really like it didn't like it when yeah, we were kids. Yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> I, I, I read it as a kid. I was like, I read it as a kid. It was fine. But I'm like, actually, think, like based on what I've just said as well, Like I read it as a kid and it left me with this sense of troubled unease that yeah. I didn't know what to do with. Yeah, I don't know. But Maybe I mean, it, it's just like fun for the adult to read to the child. Maybe it reminds the adult reading to the child to pay attention to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's more, yeah. It's an invitation to the reader. It's more of a book for parents, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's funny, but it's also like, oh no, better pay attention to the kid. But in a way that's not shaming, even though it's shaming these parents, you know that a monster isn't really going to come and eat up your kid. But that something will eat up your kid if you don't look at them. Yeah. Yeah, and it gives a license. It's like a model. Yeah. Of like, here's this thing that we're going to kind of require your parents to read out you. It's yeah, almost like yeah, a yeah, contract yeah. agreement. Yeah. You yeah. know, like if you sort of like teach in a class and you say, here's the rules we're all going to agree yeah. on. We're all going to listen when we're <laughs> other people are talking. It's like giving one yeah. of those to a parent going, yeah. here's something Here are the we're expectations gonna... that your child has a right to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like here's your side of the deal. Yeah. You are going to look them in the face yeah, and yeah. notice if they become a purple fairy monster. Yeah, so do you know they're not a purple fairy monster right now? <laughs> Better look down. Been, yeah. <laughs> Have you been looking closely enough? Do you know what's going on? Gosh, you know, I think that's right because I think my mum really enjoyed reading this, this to us. Mm. And I think it's probably just like a funny prod to keep paying attention. Yeah, because actually his parents, I mean, are his parents terrible? They're not great, but they might just be having a bad day. Exactly. They are busy. They have yeah. got stuff to do. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it's a book for parents. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's weird having it read to you as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where the unease comes yeah. from. Maybe you like pick it up off the to the. Like... Maybe that's what the kids noticing. Yeah. It's the parents' slight unease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guilt blows into the room a bit. But I don't Ooh. think it's traumatic either. Like you're not gonna no. harm the child by reading this to them. It's gonna make them a little bit uncomfortable. That's that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Be nice to people, even your children. Okay, so that was episode one of Even the Trunchbull. Thanks for listening. Once again, if you've any thoughts on books you loved as a kid. Or love now as a kid. Let us know or ask a grown-up to let us know. We're at eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at trunchbullpod. Intro music for this episode and every episode is What a Wonderful Day by Shane Ivers. And remember, kids' books can be for everyone, because we've all been kids. Even Even the Trunchbull. Trunchbull.